God has promised to bless us, give us wisdom and guidance. Walking by faith in God, along with walking with wisdom, must also be coupled with our will to succeed. We must have determination, an unwillingness to give up, a relentless pursuit of what God has assigned for our lives, a tenacious hold on the goal we are seeking to accomplish, a resolve that we will not quit until we see the mission complete. All right, let's just get ready to make our declaration. If you have your Bibles, please, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 3, and we'll read verse 1. Hebrews 3, verse 1. There's a lot of revelation, a lot of insight that's given to us in the book of Hebrews about the Lord Jesus and uh, his role as our high priest. That is, what is he doing for us? Right now, at this time, in heaven. And one of, those, one of the things that the Lord is doing for us here is given to us here in Hebrews 3 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And it goes on. It says, the writer of Hebrews is saying, Brothers, I want you to take note, pay attention to Jesus, who is the apostle, meaning the one who goes ahead, the forerunner, the front runner, the apostle, and the high priest. That means he's standing on, in, on our behalf before the Father, high priest. He is the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Now the word confession in the Greek is an interesting word. It's it's actually a composite word, homologia. Homo means the same thing. Logia means the word. Does it say the same words? So confession in, in the New Testament is not just confession of sin. That's one part of it. But confession in the New Testament is really to say the same thing, to say what God says. Are you understanding me? Yes, that's confession. It's not just the negative connotation of saying, God, I'm sorry for my sin. But it is, has a lot of a positive uh, use of confession, especially when you see the word used in different parts of Scripture in the New Testament. It is to say the same thing. Say the same word. Now, Jesus, we are the ones who have to say the same word. We are the ones who have to make that confession. And the Lord Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. So the question really is, what is your confession? Because you and I have an apostle and high priest in heaven who is standing before God on behalf of what we are confessing here on earth. In another place, Jesus put it like this. He said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me here before men, I will have to deny you before my Father. Meaning, what he represents is in accordance to what we are confessing here on earth. What we are called to do is to say the same thing. Say what God has declared concerning us in his word. Our confession should be a confession of faith in the word of God. Amen? We confess what we believe. And the Lord Jesus is there as the apostle and high priest of our confession. In another place there in Hebrews 10, just jump over to Hebrews 10. You here find the word used once again. Hebrews 10 verse 23 the writer of Hebrews, once again, encourages us. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope or of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Hold on 
to the confession of your faith. Because the one who promised is faithful. So don't give up on that confession. Hold on to it. Stay with it. Keep saying what God says. Keep declaring your faith in God and his word. Because you have an apostle and high priest in heaven. And the one who promised that word, which you are saying, which you are speaking in agreement with, he is faithful. He's not going to back off on it. He's going to come through. He's going to make his word good as you keep your confession aligned to his word. Amen? So we're going to stand up right now and make our confession. We're going to declare what God has declared concerning us in his word. So I want you to say this out loud, bold and strong. If you have your Bible, hold high up in the air, please. Let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing. To many people, I receive His word. I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please say hi to some people around you. Give them a good smile. Tell them you're happy to see them here this morning. You may be seated. So this morning, I want to just bring a simple word of encouragement to us, just talk to us about the will to succeed. The will to succeed. And if you just think about what's happened in uh, the men's 100 meters dash, 100 meters sprint. And if you see how the records or the numbers have changed, you know, in 1912, and these are um, the IAAF record progression here, many in 12, it was about 10.6 seconds. And after another 12 years, it got down to 10.4. In 1930, it became 10.3. And then it was slightly bettered by a second, or 0.1 of a second, 10.2 seconds. That was Jesse Owens. 1956, that's almost 26 years later. It was about 10.1 seconds. 1960, 10 seconds. And then you come up to 1988 when we started having electronic uh, systems to record timings. And uh, sorry, that was from 1968. 1988, we had 9.92 Carl Lewis. That was like really huge when he broke that world record. And he came back in 1991 and made it 9.86 seconds. 2005, Asafa Paul, 9.77. And then 2009, we had something really great. It was 9.58 seconds by Usain Bolt. So you look at it, to almost make a one-second improvement, it took us 100 years. 100 years just to improve the timing by one second. So the bar is set higher each time. Now, imagine if you were one of these 100 meters printers getting, you know, preparing, wanting to be this printer, and you sought the record, 
You know, okay, right now it's uh, 9.58 seconds. It can be so daunting. It's like, man, I'm never going to make it. But if you approach this challenge with, I'm never going to make it, you might as well quit. But if you want to break that 9.58 seconds, you need to have a very positive approach. And you, you have to come up with the approach saying, I will break this barrier. And you've got to stay through all of the rigor of the training and all the effort and everything that, that, that you need to put in till you can come close to that 9.58 and then better that record. In other words, you would need to have the will, the determination to succeed. Otherwise, don't even bother trying. And whatever it's going to take through the years of training and uh, making almost small, inc- small improvements, you've got to be determined. You've got to have the will to succeed. Only then you're ever going to have a realistic attempt at breaking that record. So what I want to impress on us this morning is that very similar to this in life, as we go through life and go through various areas of life where we have goals and things that we are pursuing, we must be determined that we must have the will to succeed, to go after the goal, the assignment, the call, the accomplishment, whatever it is that you are pursuing. You've got to be determined. You've got to have the will to succeed. Otherwise, don't bother trying. Now, on the one hand, and that's really great for us as believers, God is on our side. He's promised to help us. And, uh, and there are many, many scriptures here. God is on our side to bless us and empower us as he promised. Uh, a very simple passage, if you want to refer to, is, is Psalm 1. Verses 1, 2, and 3, something that we're all familiar with. But God says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And then here's God's promise. He says, he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. So God has already announced a blessing. He has already declared that his intent for you and me is to bless us and prosper us if we will do what he said. He said, you delight yourself in my word. Don't take the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the ways of sinners. You delight yourself in my word and you're going to be like that tree. You will prosper. So God's promised to prosper us. He's also promised to guide us, to give us wisdom, to give us the understanding that we need to succeed. Take for example, I'm just quoting one or two verses here on this. Psalm 32 verse 8. He said, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So God is saying, look, I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you. I'll give you the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge you need to succeed, to uh, to get to where you should be going, where you're, you're going. Or another place, he said, Psalm 37, 23, 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Though he fall, he will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him. So a good man's steps 
They're ordered by God. God's interested. He delights in your way. He's interested in every step you take. So if you're a student, God's interested in your studies. He's interested in where you're going to go uh, you know, academically uh, as, a, as a professional. God's interested in your steps. He's interested in your career path as a, as a business owner. God's interested in your business. Every area of our lives, God is interested. God is interested in your marriage. He's interested in your children. He's interested in, 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 in where you live. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights. In our ways. God delights in your ways. And even if we fall, he said, look, I'll uphold you. I'll I'll put you back on your feet. So as believers, we are in a very, very privileged position where God has said, I will prosper you. And God has said, I will guide you. I'll give you wisdom. I I will lead you the way you should go. I will do all that for you. But I think a big area in which we all lack is coupling faith in God and, of course, walking with wisdom. Coupling these two with determination. The will to succeed. Yes, we must have faith in God. Yes, we must receive guidance from God. And God's going to guide us and give us wisdom. And and we must receive that wisdom that he brings into our lives, whether it's through other people. However, he brings guidance. And these are very important. But we must combine our faith in God and the wisdom that God gives with the will to succeed. Otherwise, we really are not going to be achievers. We really are not going to be people who will become successful, who will succeed, who will be fruitful for the kingdom. If we just sit back and say, I have faith in God, I have God's ideas and all these nice things, but if I'm not determined to pursue what God has said before me, I will not succeed. And the same is true about every area of our lives. Many marriages fail because people, people simply don't want, are not determined to make it succeed. I want to give up so easily. But you've got to be determined. I'm going to make my... Now, of course, it takes both the man and the woman, the husband and the wife. But both have to be determined to make it succeed. We've got to make it work. Don't quit easily. Don't give up on your children easily. Just because they make a few mistakes or wrong choices, don't give up. You're determined to see that they turn out well. That they will become movers and shakers for the kingdom of God. That they will be mighty on the earth. You don't give up just because they may make a few wrong choices along the way. Don't. You've got to be determined that you will see them be fruitful. Or even in your professional life. Or in your business. Don't give up just because you tried a few things and you failed. No. God is on your side. He's promised to prosper you. He's promised to instruct you. But from your side, you've got to have this determination. God, I will succeed amen so what's it going to take here what kind what are we talking about what what uh, what kind of determination and and uh, that we are uh, that we're referring to we're talking about an unwillingness to give up that he refused to give up we're talking about a relentless pursuit of what god has assigned for your life we're talking about Holding on with tenacity, having a tenacious hold on the goal that you're seeking to accomplish or a resolve that will not quit until your mission is accomplished. That's what we're talking about. And I think for many of God's people, we think we have it made easy for us. 
you know, God is with me, God is for me, he'll bless me, he'll prosper me, and all of that is true. But somehow on our side, we lack this thing, this will to succeed. And so we don't really go where God wants us to go. We don't really become what God wants us to become. We don't really achieve what God wants us to achieve because we don't have this will to succeed from our side. But I hope this morning God will encourage our hearts and God will stir us up in this area. Our will to succeed must hold up through challenges. Whether it's failure, whether it's adversity, whether it's a sudden turn of events, unexpected situations that may arise. You've got to hold up through challenges. Proverbs 24 verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is... I mean, if you quit just because you face your first mountain or just because, you know, you face your first closed door or just because you, uh, you know, somebody turns their back on you or just because your first attempt doesn't succeed. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is really small. So you can't afford to quit. You've got to have determination, the will to succeed. I'm not going to give up. And in my own story, and I, and, I, and I share this quite often with pastors, you know, when we came back, before we came back to India to start the church, we were preparing for over a year. And uh, I had all these plans on paper. On paper, I figured out how in the first year we're going to be 1,000 members. <laughs> and on paper, it was that the day we come back to Bangalore, we're going to have this big crusade. And we're going to win many souls and we're going to start the church. All of that on paper, figured out. Then all the, you know, maths, finances, everything, all that great. Now this was one year of preparation. <laughs> but when it came to actually putting all of this into, you know, implementing this, we didn't have any, con- really, we didn't have people on the ground this side uh, in the sense would, you know, do all the organization will help us to, you know, even ha- arrange a meeting. So literally we came back here and there wasn't anything. This big crusade and all didn't happen. <laughs> so we started off with, you know, I was praying one day. I said, God, and we, we have no place, nothing. And this was January of 2001. And I was praying. I said, God, what, what, what do we do? And I heard the Lord speak saying, start with what you have. So we were staying in my dad's house at that time in Artinaga. And we just moved back in December of, that, of 2000. This was 2001, January. And I was just praying and God, just start with what you have. So I asked, and asked, asked my dad, so can we, you know, just start in the living room? Can we just start here? He said, fine. So we, you know, uh, printed, I think, a few handbills, sent it out to people. And that was February 18, 2001, our first Sunday service. We didn't know who was going to come. <laughs> we had our family there. But the vision inside was to have a church of 50,000 people. I had it all planned out. I had all the drawings of, you know, how we're going to have this church facility. Here's going to be this big auditorium. Here's going to be church office. All on paper. Everything's there. But here we've uh, sitting in that living room wondering who's going to come for the first service. So we started. I think there were eight or 12 people. I don't know. Uh, uh, it was so unexpected. Our dear friend, one of my friends in school, walked into the gate. And it was like, wow, this is divine encouragement, uh, you know. Uh, he had found this thing somewhere and he said, yeah, I know that guy. And he walked in. You know. So anyway, so we started with us there. And um, I think Nita was there from the very beginning. She's sitting right there. She's been faithful. So she knows 
the entire journey for the last so many years. So, anyway, we started off. And you know, in two years, two years, we only probably had 50 or 60 people of working. Now, prior to that, you know, living in the, in the United States, I was traveling. We traveled to many countries doing big meetings. And we were, you know, we were in South America. They put us live on radio and we were speaking to the entire city. And so uh, we've done all those big things. And here we are in Bangalore spending two years speaking to only about 50 people. Now, the second year we were on local cable television. We were printing books. All of that was happening. But only 50 people approximately attending Sunday morning service. Now, I was discouraged. It's like, God, you know, I'm not, there was so much, all these nice things happening out there. And here you are, two years, only 50 people. And I had heard stories. It was, that was the time I was hearing stories of other friends who'd come. They worked here for two years. They got discouraged. They went back. So one of my friends, he was here for two years. He went back to Canada. You know, like, no, Bangalore is not my place here. So I was discouraged. And I was like, God, I don't want to be another statistic where Somebody came, he tried to start a church, he couldn't, and then he packed up and left. I don't want to be one of those statistics. All those thoughts running through my mind. But that is when I really felt the Lord challenge me in my spirit, saying, you know, are you committed to this call? Are you committed to this thing? And that's when inside my heart I said, God, if I'm going to spend the rest of my life ministering to 50 people in Bangalore City, I'm going to do it. Because that, I know, is what you've called me to do. Bangalore City, India's man as my territory. God's appointed territories for people. And I know this is my territory. This is why you've called me. I'm committed to this. I'm not going to go back on this. And we continue with that determination. Amen? Our dream is still 50,000. Our dream is still five locations in this, church, in this city with 50,000 each. Our dream is still to be able to impact one million souls in the city of Bangalore. It's not much when you have a city of about 12 plus million people. But you got to stick. You got to be determined to go after. And so as a pastoral team, we keep asking ourselves questions. What do we need to do? How can we keep pressing in? And we keep evaluating ourselves. So we keep doing that. But we are pressing toward that goal, that vision. Not going to give up on it. Amen? And so... From our side, while there is faith in God and while there is God's promise to bless us and God's promise to give us wisdom and guidance and direct our paths, all of that is from his side. But from our side, he's saying, I want you to have the will to succeed. You've got to be determined that you're going to reach your goal. You're going to keep going after that goal until you succeed. And one of that means we've got to, uh, our will to succeed must hold up through challenges, whether it's failures, whether it's adversities, whatever, you've got to hold up. And secondly, our will to succeed must hold up through time. Now, this is probably one of the most challenging things because in our minds, we have an expectation. Oh, this will happen in two years. This will happen in three years. And sometimes it does happen that way. Two years, three years, sometimes happens faster. But the problem is when things don't come in the time we expect, it takes a little longer but our will to succeed must hold up through time. The Bible does say that hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
That means you're expecting something. If that is delayed, yes, it's going to have an impact, impact on you inside. But you've got to learn to encourage yourself in God. You can't stay sick on the inside. Are you with me? You've got to learn. We've got to learn how to encourage ourselves in God. Even if our hope has been deferred. Even if our hope has been delayed a bit. For whatever reason. There are some things maybe in our control. Some things are outside our control. But we've got to stay encouraged in God. You've got to have the will to succeed. It's got to hold up through time. Perhaps one of the great examples of this is in, in the Bible is that of Caleb. And you and I know the story of Joshua and Caleb. How you know, Moses sent them out to spy the land along with 10 others. Uh, this is in Numbers 13. Uh, and they come back saying, you know, 10 of them come back saying, we can't go take up the land. Whereas Joshua and Caleb says, yes, we can. But because the majority said we can't, they spend the next 40 years around circling around one mountain range, 70 kilometers north to south. They keep going around the same mountain range for 40 years. And finally, after that generation passes away, God says, okay, now move north. Now you start heading out to your destination. They cross the river Jordan. They come into the promised land. They have their initial battles. They take Jericho and Ai and other cities. And then they come, then comes uh, Caleb to Joshua in Joshua, the 14th chapter. And he says, Joshua, you remember that day 40 years ago when I came to this mountain? God spoke to me. He said, I'll give you this mountain. Now this is 40 years later. Some of us would have quit and gone. Retired. (laughs) Not Caleb. 40 years later. He says, I am as strong today as I was that day. Give me this mountain. I'm going to go take it. His will to succeed endured through time. And sure enough, he took his mountain. He got it. 40 years. That's a long time. What about your will to succeed? Especially does it hold up through time? Do you persevere? Do you keep going after what God has promised through time? Thirdly, our will to succeed must overcome personal limitations. Now all of us have limitations. Meaning things that may have been put upon us by people or sometimes we put them on ourselves. But let's talk about the first one. Limitations that may be imposed on us. Maybe you grew up in an environment where... Everybody said, you can't do it. You can't amount, you can't achieve things. You can't get there. You're not qualified. Or maybe you're in a work environment where your boss is somebody who pushes you down all the time. You may be the one with the best ideas. You may be the most outstanding performer. And yet he finds ways and means to keep you down. So these are limitations imposed on you. What do you do? Do you quit? You don't. Your will to succeed must hold up. Through all the limitations, whether they are imposed on you or whether they are limitations you find within yourself. We'll talk about that next. But when there are limitations imposed on you, I want to just bring your attention to this man in the Bible named Jabez. There are only two references that speak about his life. Two verses in the Bible that speak about his life, that describe his entire life. If you look at First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Now, Jabez simply means someone who causes pain. You're a pain in the neck. (laughs) But his mother called him Jabez. Somebody who causes pain. 
Now, it seems to imply when it says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, meaning, look, maybe his mother named all his brothers also these bad names. But Jabez was one of those people among all his brothers who decided he's going to rise up against the odds. So it says Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Because even though his mother called him somebody who causes pain, what did he do? Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would keep me from evil, and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Now think about it. It says he was more honorable than his brothers. Meaning his mother may have named all his brothers something bad. But he was one guy who said, look, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to appeal to the God of Israel. I don't care what my mother me. Some of us may need to make that appeal. It doesn't matter what your friends have called you. It doesn't matter what your boss says about you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. You can still rise up against that. You appeal to the God of this universe. Jabez made his prayer to the God of Israel and said, God, I want you to reverse this thing. You enlarge my territory. You bless me indeed. You keep me from evil. And you make sure that I don't cause pain. The Bible says God granted him his request. And the God of the Bible is no respecter of persons. Amen. He's no respecter of persons. So you and I can pray. Oh God, enlarge my territory. If somebody said, you know, this is all you can do. So no, I'm appealing to the God of heaven. God, you enlarge my territory. If you fail, it's okay. God, you reverse this. Whatever has happened. Don't let that limitation, which maybe somebody else has imposed on you, become your ceiling. Don't say, this is where I have to stop. You appeal to God. Say, God, I, I need, I'm going to succeed. I want to succeed. And I'm going to break past this limitation that people may have put upon me, uh, may have imposed on me. But for some of us, we may need to break past limitations that we put upon ourselves. Sometimes we... Our limitations are self-imposed and maybe it's just, you know, as simple as we're just lazy. Now, nobody can do, deal with that except you. You've got to break it off. Break off that self-imposed limitation. Sometimes it's fear of taking risks, of stepping out, step, doing something you're uncomfortable. Sometimes it's just negative thinking. You're thinking, you know, always thinking wrong and you've got to break off that self-imposed limitation. If you've you and I must have the will to succeed. I want to just draw our attention to a story here in Second Kings, the 13th chapter. We may not read this very often, but I, I think there's an important message here. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Second Kings, the 13th chapter, verses 14 through 19. You're familiar with the prophet Elijah. So we're going to Second Kings 13. We're going to look at verses 14 through 19. You're familiar with the prophet Elisha, who was uh, Elijah's successor. Now, Elisha was at the end of his life. It says here in verse 14, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, 
O my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Meaning, I know you're going to be taken away. You know, your end has come. Verse 15, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Now this is very, very significant. This is a prophetic moment. This is a moment of destiny. The prophet is about to die. The king has come. And the prophet is giving him instruction. So it's not anything ordinary. It's a very, uh, it's a very important moment. And the prophet is putting his hands on the king's hands and giving him instructions. So uh, I'm sure the king understands that. Now let's read on. Then he says here, yeah, Verse 16, then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17, and he said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. Verse 19. And the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Now, understand that this is a prophetic moment. And... The king is, under, is, is going with whatever the prophet is saying. When he says, open the window to the east, that means he's now facing Syria. He's facing his arch enemy, the enemy that's so important, coming always against Israel. So he knows what he's, what he's doing. And he shoots one arrow, so he gets the message. This is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance from Syria. So the king is understanding that every arrow he shoots is representing deliverance for Israel from Syria. So now, Elijah says, I want you to shoot. Strike the ground. It's very interesting. The prophet gets angry with him because he only did it three times. He says, man, you should have done it five or six times. I mean, give it all you've got. Be determined to destroy, to overcome, to overpower your enemy. But you did it only three times. Meaning, there was some effort, but it wasn't the kind of effort that was needed for complete, total success. Are you understanding? And it made the man of God angry. Point here. Sometimes we know moving with God and God is at work in our lives and he's setting up things he's opening up the doors he's giving us the arrows he's giving us the opportunity he's giving us the word he's giving us instructions telling us everything we should be doing but you know our effort is half-hearted three instead of six and so we don't see the desired outcome the the what we could have accomplished we we may go 50% of the way not the entire 100% so I want to urge you and me. We've got to have the will to succeed. Push past challenges. Stay through time. And also break past limitations. Especially if there are limitations put upon you. Or limitations you impose on yourself. And most often it's limitations we impose on ourselves. Because we're just not willing to go the full length. We're not willing to shoot the six arrows that we need. 
to get the job done. Are you with me so far? We've got to have the will to succeed, to go the full length, to get the job done. So, in closing here, how do we keep our will to succeed strong? Because we can just wear off. We can just get tired. We can just want to give up. What are some things you and I can do as believers? And I'm speaking to us as believers, as people who've got the word and relationship with God. First of all, here are things that I find very important, useful for me. One is to remind myself of God's promises and his assignments. So even I, I need to go back and remind myself, why am I here? Why am I doing what, am I, what I'm doing? Remind myself of God's promises. Remind myself of God's assignments. Go before God. Take his word. God, this is your word. This is what I see. Your word says, I will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Your word says, this is what your word says concerning my family, concerning my children, concerning my job, concerning my career, concerning every area of my life. This is what I see. God, this is your word. I'm keeping my eyes on that word. So remind yourself of the promises of God. Remind yourself of the assignment God put upon your life. Another thing that I find useful and just keeping that will to succeed strong, keep, keeping it always on burning strong, is to refresh my vision. Take a fresh look at the vision. What was this vision? What vision do we have here for our city? What is the vision we have for our nation? I mean, I'm talking personally uh, as, as a minister of God. Similarly, you, ha- you refresh your vision for your life. Maybe your vision is to have a business that's going to be very successful and um, uh, you know, it could be in, in, in the software industry. It could be some other industry. But you have that vision. Refresh that vision. Don't let that vision fade away. One of the best ways to keep your vision fresh is to write it down. Now, God gave that instruction in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He spoke to Habakkuk. He said, Habakkuk, I'm going to give you a vision. So he's speaking very prophetically. He's speaking to the prophet. He's saying, I'm going to give you a vision, but I want you to write the vision, make it plain, make it easy to understand. So that the one who reads it will be inspired to run. And I want you to write it down because this vision has an appointed time and it's way out in the future. But even if it's way out in the future, though it delays, wait for it. It will not fail. In other words, When God is giving you a vision, he knows he's giving you a vision of something way out in the future. It's going to take some time. But that's all the more reason why you need to write it down. Put it down so that you can see it, see it, see it, see it. Keep that vision fresh. Because even though it's for a time way out in the future, you need to stay fresh with that vision. Keep running with that vision. So it's always good to write down where you feel God is wanting you to go. What does God want to accomplish for your life? Whether it's your vocational life, family, children, whatever. Have a vision. This is what I'm seeing, God. And keep refreshing that vision. A third thing that's always useful is to get encouragement and counsel. Let people speak into your life. Sometimes we're doing things a certain way. Maybe we need to change a little bit. So it's always good to get counsel. It's good to listen to people. Talk to people. Let them speak into your life. Be open. You know, one of the nice things when you go on mission trips is that you get to sit down and talk to people in church. So on our way back, or right from the time we've landed in the airport, or actually throughout the bus journey itself, there was one young person who was sitting with me and talking and asking questions, asking questions. Very good. Very nice. I really enjoyed our time. But even through that whole conversation that, you know, maybe spend two or three hours, 
I was being encouraged by the questions. I was being inspired. I was being challenged to the questions he was asking. I was learning through the questions he was asking. Yes, I was giving answers to his questions, but I myself was learning of improving, learning to do things better. So you can actually let anyone speak into your life for that matter. It doesn't always have to be people more experienced than you or older than you. It could be just young people asking you questions. And that can be a great learning experience for yourself. So stay encouraged. Let people speak into your life. Discuss. Be willing to receive even ideas that you may not have thought of. But that's going to encourage you in your vision. That's going to encourage you in your pursuit and help maintain that will to succeed. So you don't quit. Are you listening? And the last one that I'd like to share with us here in keeping our will to succeed is to stay encouraged by taking small incremental steps that indicate progress. Sometimes we look for these huge steps, huge things, um, maybe huge rise in, you know, or change in metrics and so on. But sometimes it's those small things that, that indicate, yes, you are making progress. Yes, you are improving. And you see that and you encourage yourself. Yes, it's better than what it used to be. And so you stay encouraged. Things are getting better. We are making progress. Even if the progress is small, we are making progress. And so it encourages you. So make those, take those small steps which give you incremental progress. So this morning, the message is very simple. God's on our side. He's a good God. But from our side, he's saying, I need you guys to fire up your will to succeed. Because no matter how much he promises us, no matter how much wisdom he makes available to us, if we are not determined... If we don't have the will to succeed in whatever God's called us to do in life, we're not going to get there. Amen? So let's fire it up this morning. Let's say, God, I want you to strengthen my will to succeed. Whatever. Whether it's in your marriage, your family, your home, your job, your career, your profession, your academics, whatever. God, fire up my will to succeed. Amen? I'll call our worship team up here, please. We'll take a few moments to pray. As we stand here this morning, I just want you to engage with God. Just you and the Lord pray. You pray to the Lord. And say, God, what are you saying to me? What is your call? What is your will? What are the things you were saying for my life? Help me to have the determination, the will to succeed. Not to quit just because I face challenges. Not to quit just because it takes a little longer than I expected. And not to just not to tolerate limitations that others may impose on me or sometimes I impose on myself. I want to break past those limitations. And I want to pursue with determination, with a will to succeed, that which you've said before me. We take some time to pray right now. As you're standing here, But you remind God of the promises on which you are standing.
Would you refresh the vision that God has given you? Just see that afresh in your mind's eye. Paint it afresh on the canvas of your mind. Whether it's your home, your future, your job, your career, your business. Whatever God has put in your hands at this season of your life. Paint that picture afresh of what you can do. Our God is faithful. He has never changed. His promise has not changed. Time may have gone by. You may have experienced some delays. You may have experienced maybe even some failures. Some setbacks. But God still remains faithful. So would you just pray and say, God, strengthen my determination. Strengthen my will to succeed. Because from your side, God, you're a faithful God. Your promises still hold. Your call in my life has not changed. Your destination that you want me to reach, that's sure. Your dream for my life is there. But from my side, I want to have the will to succeed. I don't want to quit. There is strength within the sorrow. Faithful 
Father, I just pray that each of us, O oh God, that we will be strengthened, God, in our determination and our will to succeed in every area of our lives. In our walk with you, in the call of God on our lives, and what you've called us to do vocationally, God, in our professions and our careers. What you've called us to do, Lord, in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, for our children. What you've called us to do in our city, what you've called us to do in our nation. Father, I pray that in everything that you've assigned for each of us in our lives, we'll be determined to succeed, to pursue not give up, not quit but with the strength that comes from you with the wisdom that comes from you with faith in our hearts with the promises that you've given to us with the wisdom and counsel that we receive we will press through we will break through we will see God the mission accomplished, the task completed for each one of us God Strengthen our will to succeed. Strengthen our resolve. I just want to pray for two things here before we uh, dismiss. First of all, I just want to... I don't know if there's anyone here this morning that you've been digging. I mean, this is what I'm getting. I'm not sure whether it's literal or in, in uh, picture form. I mean, whether it's has a message in it but you've been digging a well and I see it's like the old well big wells that you know they had in the old times not necessarily a bore well but a big open well you've been digging a well but you haven't been finding water yet and I don't know what that means something in the literal that you actually have property and you're digging a well but you're not getting water or whether it's something else that you've been doing but you're not finding the water that you, uh, that you, that you feel you should be getting if you identify with this and if you don't mind, just raise your hand. I want to just pray over you. Right? Okay. I see a few hands here. A couple of hands. Okay. Just, okay. You relate to this. Now, is there anyone here who's actually digging a literal well? Like a physical well? Anyone digging a literal well? No. So, okay. Just put your hands up. So, I think it, it, we're, we're taking it in the sense that it means something to us. So, just put your hands up. I want to pray with you. I want to pray and I just believe God wants to release his anointing here for you to see water coming out of that well whatever it means to you you're digging this well but you're not getting you till now till now you've not found the water that you were expecting you've been digging that well 
But I believe right now as we pray, an anointing of God will be released upon your life and upon whatever you're doing in digging that well, which will cause that supply of water to come through. His anointing brings the breakthrough. So I want you to just hold your hand up. I want you to pray with me. I want you to agree with me and say, God, I'm receiving this miracle right now. I'm receiving this anointing right now that will cause water to come through in this well that I've been digging. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, because you've spoken this morning, right now, I release the anointing of God. I release the miracle of God that will cause the water to spring forth. In the lives of these people, God, as they are identified with this word, and they, they God, just stand in agreement right now that the anointing of God, the power of God will cause that water to come forth, Lord. In the wells that they've been digging, they will see it. They will receive it. I thank you, Father. Thank you, O oh God. And you caused this to take place. You caused this breakthrough. You caused this, this work, this water to come forth, Lord, in their wells. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. The second thing I feel we need to pray for here. I'm just reminded here of Acts 10 verse 38 where the Bible tells us that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. I, will, I just specifically want to pray while God can heal whoever he wants this morning I just specifically feel that God wants to touch people with uh, all kinds of internal diseases that are, that are internal that things that are inside your body that's, um, that's affect your organs or your systems in your body the anointing of God the Holy Spirit has not changed he's the same Holy Spirit times have changed but the Holy Spirit has not changed. The anointing of God has not changed. And He is here. The same anointing, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus walked in. He is here. Have God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And we need to treat sickness and disease as an oppression of the devil. It's not a blessing from God. It's an oppression of the devil. He healed all who were oppressed of the devil. So we're going to pray specifically for that. So if you need healing in your body, and if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to ask people around you to pray with you, and I will pray from here. But it's the anointing of God, the Holy Spirit, the precious Spirit of God, who brings healing for us from all the oppression of the deaf. Amen? So can we just take a few moments? Just to pray towards that. So if you need healing in your body, even if it's some condition that's in part of your system, it's internal, and just raise your hand up. I'm going to ask people around you to just pray with you, and I'm going to pray from here. So you need healing in your body. Just raise your hands up. And brothers, sisters, just turn around, see people with hands raised. Just go to them. Just, just, just stand next to them, pray with them if you can. And I'm going to pray from here. We are all going to believe that the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, the anointing of God will destroy every oppression of the devil. We treat sickness as an oppression of the devil. Let's pray. Just raise your hand. We're going to pray. 
Lord, you care for each of us. Loving Holy Spirit, you are here. Lord Jesus, you are our healer. And we remember the word which says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So right now in Jesus' name, we take authority, we take dominion over every oppression of the devil in people's bodies, diseases, chronic conditions, things that have affected the systems in the body, whether it's the circulatory system, the respiratory system, digestive system, whatever it is, internal diseases, things that have affected the body internally. We take authority over every spirit of infirmity. We take authority over every work of the devil that's caused this. Pains. Disorders. We take authority over these things. And in the name of Jesus, we release the anointing of God. It removes every sickness, every disease. The power of the Holy Spirit that heals that destroys the work of the devil that makes the body whole that makes cells whole that makes bones whole that makes nerves whole we release the anointing of God the power of the Holy Spirit to make God's people whole in this place now in Jesus name I want you to say Lord I receive my healing I receive it I receive my healing. Even as we are praying, I'm believing, I believe God's anointing. The Holy Spirit of God is touching your body. You may sometimes feel a tangible presence. You can feel sometimes. May not always, but sometimes you can. A burning, a feeling, a warmth. If you feel, just, just receive it. Say, Lord, I thank you. That's just a sign, a tangible sign. The Lord is doing something. Thank you. So Father, we thank you. We're faithful to your words. That people receive healing in their bodies. And God, when they go get this checked up, when they go get this examined, God, they will have a good report, a clear report. They will see the miracle of God. We just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I know some, some of these things will have take some time to verify, but did you feel anyone, as you were being prayed for, as people are praying for you, did you feel God's presence touching you? Just want to see anyone here you felt anything in your body this morning let's raise your hand we see a couple of hands here wonderful that's just god's tangible presence wonderful jesus received uh, that healing go get a check let us know share your testimony with us we'll be happy to just let others know what god's done amen god bless you let's close in prayer this morning father we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your mercy we thank you 
that you are for us, God. And we go out from this place determined to succeed in whatever you've called each one of us to do. That we walk with our heads held up high. We walk with a strength in our spirit. Lord God, we walk with a resolve inside of us that God is for us and we will not quit upon anything that he's assigned to do. We will not give up on life. We will press forward because God is on our side and he establishes every step we take. So, Father, now I just pronounce your blessing on your people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you his abundant peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.